We're so excited to bring this episode to you from the Writing Heights Writers Conference 2023. We've stolen away some of our excellent presenters from classes, intensives, and maybe even the restaurant. We're looking forward to sharing their knowledge with you. Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Hello, listeners. Today we're going to be talking about novels in verse with Megan E. Freeman. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. And so before we jump into that topic, though, um, we kind of wanted to hear a little bit about you. How did you get to be where you are in the writing world today? What, What was your writing journey? So I went to an elementary school uh, where, fortunately, they brought poets into our classrooms every week, and we worked with them, and they taught us different forms and a lot of free verse, and yeah, and we would write with them, and then they would take our poems away and bring them back, and we'd read each other's poems, and at the end of every year, they published an anthology of of student work from all the schools, yeah, that they worked with, and we got to do that for three years starting when I was in fifth grade and I totally fell in love with writing and I fell in love with poetry specifically. So that's really where the, this idea of, of being a writer or connecting with readers was born. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then as I grew up, I continued to write. I've always written a lot of poetry. I, um, I went to school for theater and so I studied a lot of dramatic literature and then I became a teacher and then I was teaching writing and I always wrote with my students and so it really, it was really just sort of always a part of my life. It was a part of my life in different ways. And then in 2019, I retired from teaching and my husband and I opened a business and I sold my first novel. Hey. And so that was really exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, tell us the name of your book. It's called Alone. It is a middle grade novel in verse. It's published by Simon & Schuster and, um, and it came out in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> of course <laughs> so everything was virtual um but you know that had its advantages too because we were able to make connections with a lot of people around the country who we might not have otherwise been able to connect with yeah and it's been really fun and so that's actually what we're going to talk about today and you are definitely the expert here but we're going to talk about novels in verse which is i think kind of it's a very interesting intersection between poetry and and prose mm-hmm. yeah Exactly. It's, and I think it's it, in, tw- I want to say it was 2014, Kwame Alexander's book, The Crossover, won the Newbery Award. And The Crossover is a, is a novel in verse. And I think that really helped librarians and teachers feel okay about like it, it's sort of the same thing that's happening with graphic novels or that has happened with graphic novels. Like this is a new form that is inviting a lot of readers into reading. Who and might, it counts. It counts. Exactly. <laughs> it's not some sort of, um, it's not cheating. It's mm-hmm. not comic books or whatever, whatever the negative association might've been among parents or, or school administrators or something like that. It legitimized it. And there have been a lot of novels in verse that have come out since then. There were many before that, but I think Crossover kind of brought them into the fore, at least in middle grade and young adult. Um, and there are some for adults as well, and, and a lot of writers who write in hybrid forms. But um, but I think the thing that's really exciting about novels in verse is that, as you said, it takes the art of poetry, but it, it uses the craft of fiction, right? So, so where in a traditional novel in prose, you have sentences combining into paragraphs which combine into chapters and and create that narrative arc in a novel in verse you have poems that are making those connections um there's a lot more white space on the page 
So there's a lot more opportunity for collaboration with the reader. In fact, as, as a reader of novels in verse and as an author of novels in verse, I feel there, there is this fine line that I try to walk between giving the reader just enough to be able to co-create the story with me, but not so much that, that it, it leaves them more passive. So they have to trust me to give them enough. And then I have to trust them to, to come to the page and finish the story. And it's, it, it is Jason Reynolds, who's another novel, novelist in verse and, and really great children's author. He was the ambassador for children's literature with the Library of Congress for a number of years. He said in a workshop, there may only be 10 words on the page, but there are 10,000 words underneath. <laughs> and we need the reader to fill in those 10,000 words, right? So it's been interesting since Alone's been out because it's being read by kids all over the country. And I do a lot of school visits and I travel to different parts of the country. I was in a school visit in Texas a couple of months ago and the kid, the, and the novel, I should say, it's a, it's a survival adventure. So the girl is left behind in her town when the entire town is evacuated and abandoned, and she has to figure out how to survive by herself. It's a 21st, re, 21st century reimagining of Island of the Blue Dolphins, which is a, a classic yeah. survival story, right? So these kids in Texas, I was in this rural community, a lot of farmers and rancher kids, they were like, I don't understand why she doesn't just go get the generator and start the generator. And of course, that's not in my mm. thinking as a suburban <laughs> Colorado resident, right? Like, yeah. I wouldn't even know how to use a generator. But these kids are seeing the story through their own lens and thinking, well, she's missing. Why did she get the generator? And then a couple of weeks ago, I was having um, having a book club meeting with a bunch of kids who go to a bilingual school here in East Boulder County in Lafayette. And all of them were Latina and um and they, their big concern, because the girl in the story is there from age 12 to age 16, she's alone. Their question was, but wait, what about her quinceanera? What happens to her? What happens, if, you know? And, and we had this whole conversation about, well, you know, maybe, maybe you can have a quinceanera even if you're 16, if, if it's been an extraordinary circumstance. Like, we, you know, yeah. that was really important to them because they were projecting their own life experience onto the story. And I think that's the invitation from Novels in Verse is to is to co-create that story with the author. And there's room to do that in ways that in a, in a prose novel, it might be, it, the world might be more completely created and, and less room for the reader to improvise with us. No, that is fascinating, especially with such two demographics and they're both like, no, clearly, like I am with the protagonist mm-hmm. right. here. Right, exactly. I did have a question, just when we're talking about novels and verse, so, so, cause you kind of said, so there are chapters basically by different poems or cause like, at first, I was envisioning kind of like the the Odyssey and the Iliad, where it's just right. one long poem. Right. Are there different ways of doing That's it? That's a great question. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways of doing it. Um, most of the ones that I have read, the poems are discrete on each page, or they may be more than a page long, but there are individual poems. But the poems don't necessarily stand alone the way they okay. would in a poetry collection, mm-hmm. right? It's not necessarily a complete work of art. Some of them may. Um, but they are just like you couldn't necessarily take a paragraph sure. out of a novel and have it stand alone. They depend on each other and they talk to each other. Um, s- different authors do it differently. Sometimes they are organized into chapters. In my book, they happen. it happens to be organized into six sections, but the sections are pretty big. Um, so you could call them chapters. I don't think of them as chapters. They're more like phases or parts. Um, but everyone is different. And, and some authors, I've seen multiple, I've seen novels in verse that have multiple points of view. Hmm. And so the title of each poem is simply the name of the speaker. I've seen other books and the one that I wrote, the, the title is very specific to the poem itself and helps advance the story. So it might create some setting or mood or, or give us some sort of information about what's happening with the character. So there's really a, about a million ways to do it. It really depends. 
And then are the poems usually, because like there's so many different styles of poetry, right. would you have usually the same style or do they do they change it up? I, it, both, yes, and. Mm-hmm. So there's an author named David Elliott who writes novels in verse and he, he's, he's one of those people where I don't know how his brain fits in his head. <laughs> he's so brilliant. Um, he writes in very formal forms and he tends to write in forms that are um, specific to the time frame in which the novel is set. So he has a novel hmm. called Voices, which is about the the end of Joan of Arc's life hmm. and all of the forms are forms that are specific French to the time yeah nice um, he has another one that's about the myth of the Minotaur and each in in his books often each character will speak in a specific form but hmm. they may vary from one character to the next so there's all kinds of layers like that and then there are are novelists like me who are writing in free verse um, Kwame Alexander's book, The Crossover, that I mentioned, is about basketball. The kids in that book are really good basketball players. So there's all kinds of of motion on the page. He nice. plays with font and, and size and alignment and arrangement. So it really is different book to book. But I think one of the things that teachers and librarians love about it for kids is that they're very accessible. There's mm. not so much dense text on the page. So point. for reluctant readers, it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Like, look, you only have to read exactly. 10 words on this page. Exactly, yeah. and yet it's you've read a novel. So there's a sense of accomplishment, kind of like graphic novels. Yeah. It's a way in for thinking. a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would think too, if there's a lot of movement on the page, then that helps draw the eye too and mm-hmm. helps yeah. keep them. Yep. Yeah, it helps keep them engaged a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. So with... With everybody being able to do it so differently, are there any like commonalities that everybody shares? Like, I guess, are there tropes or are there mm-hmm. um, things you should do? Mm-hmm. Things you should do for specifically a novel in verse? Because mm-hmm. it sounds like a novel in verse is a style, mm-hmm. less uh, less a genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, that's if right. it, so I assume there's genre tropes that fall in depending yeah. on what kind of story you're writing, but are there tropes for writing in this style, I guess. You know, it's such an interesting question. And I think one of the things that novels in verse tend to lend themselves well to is interior stories, um, emotionally interior stories. That makes sense with poetry. Alone is a yeah. little bit of an of an, of an outlier in that it, it is an adventure story. Um, there are a number of novels in verse that are stories of um, immigrant experiences hmm. and which when you think about language barriers and language and, you know, thinking about interpreting those kinds of stories through poetry is pretty exciting. Um, but I also think it's, it's, and they tend to be in first person voice. They're Hmm. not always, but they tend to be. And I think, again, it's that ability to be inside the character's mind and body experience. Um, having said that, I can also think of a lot of examples where that's not the case. So it really does depend, um, there, but there are historically, historical fiction there's there are um adventures there are uh coming of age rite of passage it really does depend so would you say i just new question but like are there people who are like i am a novel and verse reader i think it's the latter i think i think people people who like novels in verse then may go look for more of them um but i think i think it's the genre first and and i got very lucky in that the the cover that Simon & Schuster created for my book is very compelling. It's a beautiful book. Yeah, I love your cover. And it has a dog on the cover with Mm -hmm. the girl, a girl and a Mm -hmm. dog. And Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people (laughs) I've heard from who mothers and fathers and and teachers who are like oh she walked by and saw the dog on the cover and had to have you know so sometimes it's something like that like oh this mm. is a book about a kid because and a we dog do judge a book by its exactly cover. Oh, we yes. do we do exactly. we had that episode we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say um 
maybe one thing we can talk about is like what should you not do in a novel in verse i'm so glad you asked. <laughs> oh good oh no i, I so feel i feel something coming we're on. here at the hilton right we're here for the writing heights conference and one of the sessions that i'm teaching is on revision strategies for verse novelists i've been invited to read quite a number of novels in verse um, by by other novelists or books that are coming out where they're looking for blurbs or things like that. And so I've started to see some some patterns, which is what gave me the idea for this session of like, ooh, the fact that I was a poet before I was a novelist was really helpful for me in terms of the language. I still had to learn how to tell a story, right? Like the structure of fiction is is the same, whether you're writing in prose or whether you're writing in verse. You have to be able to create that narrative arc and, and have that, that storyline. Um, but what a lot of people I think miss in terms of the opportunity that the novel in verse presents is, is to use what's powerful about poetry, which is to be, which is to distill the language down as much as possible, use as few words as possible to tell the story. And, and so there, there are a lot of words that can be used in prose that aren't necessary to the actual essence of what's being told and that clutter up the verse. And so understanding and playing and, and even just reading a ton of poetry that's not necessarily part of any fiction, studying the craft of poetry will really serve verse novelists really well. There's a lot of overwriting in novels in verse. And then there's also, there are, there are a lot of novels in verse that manuscripts I'm talking about, not necessarily that have been published out in the right. world, but um, iterations where there's no figurative language. And so it, it starts to feel like prose that has just been broken up in an interesting way on the page, right? Where there's interesting line breaks or indentations, but something you read it out loud and you don't necessarily feel any poetic Something impact. more like House of Leaves rather than, uh, rather than a novel in verse. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think the opportunity that, that is missed by a lot of aspiring verse novelists is is to really dive into the poetry and study what makes poetry powerful and and how to write a, a good poem. It's not an, if you're going to write a novel in verse, it's not enough to just have a great story. You have to really take advantage of all of the devices of sound and the and the aspects of language that that poetry affords. Otherwise, write it in prose, right? right you could write yeah. a great version in prose. Definitely. And with with all of that thought that needs to go into it, what leads an author to choose to write a novel in verse? Because I definitely, um, and I think other writers out there have run into the same problem where like, I started writing something that I thought was a novel, but then I kept running into problems and problems and problems. And someone told me, you're not writing a novel, you're writing a video game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that, like, that would make That's way so more sense. <laughs> And so, um, so what, I guess, what would be some like indicators of like, oh no, this shouldn't be prose. This should be verse or, or what, what about a story would compel mm. you to choose verse because verse could be the best way to express that story. That's so interesting. Um, I, I certainly can't speak for other writers, but I can tell you in my case, I actually wrote alone in prose first. Oh Yeah and um, revised it for a number of years and tried to get an agent with it. And, and I would get a lot of interest and people would request the full because it was a compelling hook, right? Mm -hmm. Reimagining of blue dolphins, blah, blah. 
but it never it never went mm. anywhere and i finally realized oh the writing is not as good as the idea for the story <laughs> and i re- i was actually in another workshop with with the author melanie crowder who who's a local colorado author and had just published her novel in verse audacity which is a young adult historically uh, historical fiction novel and she was talking through her process and i was sitting there and i and i remembered that i was a poet like literally <laughs> i had forgotten that mm-hmm. i was a poet and um, and I thought I need to rewrite this entire thing and I need to do it in verse. And for me, going back to the verse was sort of like going back to my native language. I was hmm. so much more fluent in poetry than I was in prose. Um, I was a much better writer in poetry than I was in prose. And I understood how, I, I understood how to do the thing I was trying to do that I had struggled to do in prose. I also, though, to that point, I changed it from first person, from third person to hmm. first. And I changed it from from past tense to present. So that solved a lot of things as well and helped with a lot of things as well. Um, but for me, it was just the language I was more fluent in. I know people, who, and I've since written prose manuscripts as well. And and in those cases, and I even tried with one of them to play with it in verse and it didn't work at all. So, and, and I think it's for that story, it had multiple characters. There was a lot more dialogue. It just, it didn't mm-hmm. lend itself to that interiority that novels in verse invite. Um, so I think I think every every book has its own <laughs> voice, and you have to or video game or whatever it is, <laughs> and you have to find it right. Definitely. Um, and and then there are some authors like there's the author Joy McCullough, who's a verse novelist who I have deep admiration for, and she uses both. Okay. In I was her book, if yeah, you could her, do... she has an incredibly brilliant book called Blood Water Paint that it, that started out as a play. She's a playwright, <laughs> and she wrote it as a play and then rewrote it as a novel. And it's, it will take the top of your head off. It is so good. But she uses verse and prose very strategically. Hmm. So the verse is, is, um, is one part of the storyline. And then there's prose for another part of the storyline. So it's kind of fun yeah, when you fun. can use the form to help create the world or tell the story. So I have one more question. What's the novel aspect of it? Like, are there things that poets need to know? They're, they, like, you can't just be like, <laughs> okay, I'm a poet. I'm going to go write a novel right. in verse. Like, how do you make it the novel yes. part? Yes, absolutely. Every craft book about writing fiction, whether it's a short story or whether it's a novel, applies. So if you've never studied the structure of a well-told story, um, then by all means, you need to do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and just like in in a traditional novel, every scene has to be justified, right? Like if it's not advancing whatever the character is, is trying to do, then it probably doesn't have a place. Um, the same thing is true in a novel in verse. If the poem doesn't advance the story or inform us about something we need to know in some way, it probably doesn't belong there. So, so being discerning like that is, is really important. Um, you know, studying the hero's journey, (laughs) understanding transformation, understanding story, understanding beginning, middle and end, understanding cause and effect, all of that has to be there because otherwise it's just a book of, of hopefully beautiful poems that don't add up to anything or where the character doesn't change or transform in any way. Understanding the difference between what the character needs and what they want and what their false beliefs are and all of that, all of that craft of storytelling has to be there as well. And that's interesting because I feel like, I I think it was at the conference last year, maybe the year before that, but like there was a a session on um, flash nonfiction or something. Anyway, and it made me realize, like, I feel like most poems that I see these days, most of the poems that we get in the anthology seem like they're nonfiction. Mm, Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for sure that they are because I haven't gone and like checked, but they just read to me as nonfiction. But like the novel and verse, like that's fiction. Right. There's like, uh, like I feel like poetry used to be more fictional and now we've made it as a society a little bit more nonfictional and now maybe we're going back and getting more fiction out of it. So that's super interesting. And there is, there are also memoirs in verse too. Mm. Um, The poet and author Nikki Grimes has a really powerful memoir in verse. And I think we'll probably see more of those as well. And for her, she's writing about a very challenging childhood where there was deep, deep trauma and abuse. And the novel or the memoir inverse form really lent itself to that. Yeah, I could see that. Because you don't have to put it all on the page, right? Right. It doesn't have to be explicit for it to be present and powerful. Yeah. Imply things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, I wrote a poem years ago. Um, where I was using all kinds of metaphor and I used to post them on my blog and they were public because I didn't, at the time I didn't understand about publication. If, hmm. it's, if it's pre-published, then it's, mm-hmm. you can't submit it and all that stuff. This was back in the day. And my mom read it and totally read it literally. Mm. And, oh. and speaking of nonfiction, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And she's like, honey, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, mom, you know? <laughs> and But to your point, like mm-hmm. with poetry, we don't know, right? right? We don't know if the voice of the poem is the voice of the poet. Or if the speaker is someone different, the way right. we can assume it's someone different in fiction or in, in dramatic literature. I kind of wish, I wish poetry had a little, like, extra line to tell you <laughs> if it was not, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe right. that's part of the beauty of poetry. But, yeah, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah. I feel like that's what makes you a good writer is when people reach out and they're like, are you all right? And it's like, <laughs> I swear, I swear it was fiction. It's okay. I'm okay. We're okay. It's all right. I mean, that brings up a whole other point of like people just, I, I had a client who was, she was like, I'm a little worried about letting people read this because what if they think that this is me? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I understandable fear. All first time authors, I think, feel that way mm-hmm. a little bit, but you can also tell people that it's fiction and maybe there are kernels of truth. If you're writing fiction, I guess not if you're not <laughs> yeah, writing right, fiction, then, right. then, then yeah, if you're writing nonfiction, then you want to stick as close to the truth as possible. <laughs> well, and at the end of the day, we put it out there and then we can't babysit it. Right. right? Yeah. Like it's going to go have a life of its own. People are going to make of it what they will, whether they're seeing their quinceañeras or their generators or whatever, right. Mm-hmm. They're going to make meaning from it that we can't control. And that's, that's kind of not our business at the end of it all. Right. Yeah. It's theirs to create. I feel like that's a great note to end on. Because we are unfortunately out of time. <laughs> thank you for joining yes, us thank today. Thank you for having me. This, this, is, this has been great. Yeah. I like this is a really kind of niche topic, although growing in popularity. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I hadn't heard of it, actually. So thank you. Yeah, Learned you're welcome. A lot today. It's my great pleasure. Do we have a question for our readers? I haven't. Listeners. I said listeners? readers. Do we have a question for our listeners? <laughs> well, hopefully listeners will someday be readers yes. for us. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I think a good question for our listeners today is, had you heard of novel and verse before today? And if you have, uh, what is your favorite? Let us know on our social handles. We can expand our literary horizons. Definitely. Stay, Stay sharp. sharp, my friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.